This particular story I'm going to share today is a personal one. And it really changed the way I thought about ice, ice safety, ice fishing, snowmobiling on the ice, and traveling on the ice by car or truck, which I used to do a lot. So back in my younger days, um, not that I want to age myself or anything, but uh, let's say back in the 90s, when I was just out of high school or even in high school, I was doing a lot of ice fishing. And back then, um, I was like the first guy on the ice. You always saw people out and you're like, man, that guy is crazy. I can't believe he's out there. Yeah, that would have been me. I was one of the first people out there. Also one of the first people to um, test the ice for the vehicle. I'd go out, bore a couple holes. Sometimes, sometimes not. Sometimes it was just pure luck that I didn't go through. I remember times in Wisconsin here being out on the ice on a local pond just after Thanksgiving with my vehicle. Did a lot of dumb things, took a lot of chances back then. You're young, you think you're invisible. Um, you don't ever think anything would happen to you as far as going through, or if you do, you think, oh, it's easy, I'll just get out, you know. But this uh, particular story, it was back in 2001, March of 2001. It was a warm, uh, late winter day, and broke the cardinal rule, of course, which is never go onto the ice by yourself. So I was on a local lake. I got out there around noon by myself, and I was ice fishing. There was other people out there ice fishing that day. I would say probably, I don't know, maybe eight people out on the ice that day. And I was fishing throughout the day, checking tip-ups, running for northerns. Um, season was getting close to closing, and the northerns were pushing back up into the shallows. So as everyone knows that fishes for northerns, the best bite is when. It's that early morning, late evening as the sun is starting to set. Let's say that last half an hour, that's ooh, that's like prime time. Well, about maybe an hour before dark, when I was fishing, a, a four-wheeler came onto the ice. And he was riding around on the ice all over the place. It was a warm day. There wasn't much for snow left on the ice. Um, there wasn't quite water on the ice with like you get sometimes. But the, the air temperature that day was maybe, you know, upper 30s. And as the sun was setting, it was starting to cool off pretty good. But I remember this four-wheeler just tearing around the lake everywhere. And this particular lake that I'm talking about has an aerator. Well, this aerator keeps a section of the lake open because the this particular lake was notorious for freezing out. And what I mean by that is uh, if it gets cold enough, the ice would get thick enough and actually freeze out a lot of the shallows on the lake and actually cause oxygen levels to deplete so much that you would have a massive fish kill. It was quite common in this lake. So they installed an aerator. Because of the aerator, you had to make sure you were far enough away from the aerator because the ice around that area is not very good. The other problem the aerator created was it would disturb the water, which is good for freezing, but it was enough where 
as it neared shore, it would actually create almost like um, I want to say like a, like a, like ice shelves basically. Like so, if you imagine almost like a triangle ice shelf running once you had passed the open water by the aerator to, towards shore for a little ways. And uh, everybody knew enough to stay away from this area for, for the most part. But on this particular day, when I was out fishing, I watched two young guys on the back of this, on this four-wheeler. They were riding double. And they were getting, they were riding around this aerator and all around the lake. But as they got near the aerator, they must have noticed, hey, look at the, that, that ice shove. Well, the ice shelf actually kind of made like a like a ramp. So what they would do is they were probably going, you know, I'm not a four-wheeler guy, so how fast were they going, you know, maybe 30 miles an hour? And they'd get near it, and they'd hit this ice shelf and catch some air and fly, you know, they might fly, you know, six, eight feet and land. And... uh they're tearing around, making noise on the lake, you know, disturbing everybody's, you know, solitude for, <laughs> for the, for the evening bite, I guess. Um, they're they're far enough away from me where it didn't bother me too much, you know. I was a young guy too, and and uh, I know they they're out there just having fun. But they were getting each time they went around, they would get closer and closer to the open water. As you got closer to the water, the actually ice shelf in that area was actually bigger, so it was a bigger ramp. So I kept ice fishing. Kept I kept catching a few northerns on my tip-ups as the evening wore on. And like I said, it was only like the last hour of light. And as the sun's starting to set, um, it went down. You still get that last light, you know, even though the sun is, is completely down, it isn't dark yet. And with it being, you know, winter time yet, well, winter's just about to get out the door. Um, so everything's light enough for you to see yet. So I, I started picking up my stuff. And I noticed those guys were still riding around on the lake, jumping, hooting, hollering. But by that time, um, everybody else had left the lake already too. I was the last one on the lake. So I finished picking up my stuff. And I started heading back toward the boat landing. Um, the boat landing was a little ways away. I was maybe, I don't know, maybe 400 yards or so from the boat landing. And as I walked away from my spot and I actually got around a corner, so you couldn't see back toward where the aerator and open water were, where these guys were jumping with their four-wheeler. And as I neared the boat landing, you could hear it. You could, the whole time you could hear the four-wheeler whining and you'd hear it jump and the guys hooting and hollering. And all of a sudden I heard, and you heard that hit again. And all of a sudden I heard a splash. And I thought, man, that, that's weird. So I stood there for a second in silence. Well, the whine of the, the four-wheeler was gone. It was back to being silent again. It was really eerie. And I just stopped and listened. I sat there for maybe 30 seconds. I thought, well, maybe they shut the four-wheeler off or something happened to it or 
Maybe they drove off or something. So I continued to walk. And it was a, there was a little bit of wind that day, so maybe 15 miles an hour. Like I said, temperatures are starting to drop. And in the distance, I thought I heard, help. Just this muddled help. And I stopped. And now I'm within sight of my truck. And uh, I'm like, man, that's really strange. Like, I thought I, thought I heard help. Man, maybe it's a neighbor kid or something out or neighbors talking or something because there's some houses around the lake. And uh, I kept walking, and all of a sudden I heard it again. And it took me a few seconds, and I'm like, oh, my God. I wonder if that four-wheeler went through the ice. I dropped my stuff. That, as I'm talking now, that the goosebumps are <laughs> raising on my, on my arms here. I, I dropped the string from my sled, and uh, I started to run. And as I rounded the corner, I looked, and I didn't see anyone. I didn't see a four-wheeler. I didn't see anything. And then I heard it again, help, help, much louder now. And I look towards where the aerator was, and oh, my God, there were the two boys that were on the four-wheeler. They were in the water now. And they were splashing around. I could see their arms. And now they're screaming frantically. As I get closer, I can hear them. And uh, help, help. I couldn't see the four-wheeler. Four-wheeler was gone. It was under, it was completely underwater. So I, I didn't know what to do. I mean, I'm, I'm panicking. I'm by myself. There's no one else around. I have no rope with me. So I'm like, can you get to the ice? Because these guys had broken through on the edge of the aerator. And, uh, you know, it would have been different if they were just broke through a hole in the ice. But no, these guys were actually toward the open water and had gone. They broke through and basically made the open hole where the aerator was larger. So I coaxed these guys to try to swim over to the to the where I thought was good ice. And uh, as I neared them, I got about uh, let's say about fifteen feet from them. All of a sudden, I could hear the ice just start to crack. And you could see spider webs going out. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to go through. So I dropped to my belly. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do. So I start to belly crawl out. And these guys are frantic, just screaming. They're holding on the ice. The ice is, just keeps breaking. It won't hold their, their weight. They're trying to hold, basically trying to put their elbows up on the edge of the ice. And it just keeps breaking through. I suppose because the aerator in that area has made the ice ultra thin. And uh, like I said, these guys just got too close to that area. So anyways, I'm crawling out on my belly thinking any, any second I'm going to go under. And uh, the nearest guy, I told him, I said, reach your hand out. So he reached his hand out. I said, lay your belly on the ice and get your other arm out and try to get your chest up on the ice and kick your feet and I'll pull. So he kicked his feet and I pulled them. And I slid him off the ice and he started to get up. I'm like, no, 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 stay down. Just just roll. Keep Just keep rolling for a ways and then get on your hands and knees and crawl towards shore. So that's what he did. And as he did, uh, someone, there was a house right there, and a guy had came, had come out and must have heard 
he, he he's like, oh my god, I I heard the screaming. I'll get a ladder. So he disappears back in the house. Well, you know, I don't know how long I waited. You know, maybe I waited a minute. A minute felt like like twenty minutes. This other guy is not splashed around as much. Maybe he was in the water now. Maybe you know, probably five minutes. But he wasn't kicking around as much. He was a bigger guy than the other guy. The other guy was a lot smaller. And so he was easier to get on the ice. So he came over in the same section where I'd got his friend out. And I did the same thing. I stuck my arm out and I told him to kick. And by that time, I think he'd been in the water a little too long. And he just didn't have, just didn't have as much energy as the other guy. So I really had to pull him. And as I'm pulling him, you could hear the ice just really, really cracking. I thought, oh, I said a little prayer in my head. I'm like, please, Lord, please don't let me go through. Help me get this guy off. By guy. These guys are probably, you know, between, I would say between 16 and 18 years old. So I got a hold of him. He kicked a little bit. I pulled as hard as I could. We kept, and eventually I got him out on the ice. Just as I get him out on the ice, um, the gentleman from the house comes out with a ladder. Well, <laughs> too late by now. We got him out. Uh, he rolled. I had had him crawl toward shore, and uh, these guys were soaked. So we get him into the garage of the house. This garage, he had a a heated garage, and uh, they started to take their their wet stuff off at the time, and that's when I heard the fire truck and the cop car. You could hear the sirens coming. So as they pull out, I go to the front of the house and uh, I wait for them. They come out. I tell them what happened. And uh, they immediately, they don't come in the garage where the kid, where the young guys are. I call them teenagers. Like I said, 16, 18 years old. They go around to the back and uh, I kind of tell them what happened or whatever. And um, so he's like, well, where, where are they at? I said, well, they're, they're, they're in the garage. So we go in the garage, and we went in the garage. They were gone. So I asked the guys, where are they? They took off. I'm like, what? They're, I just pulled them out, <laughs> out of the lake. They were completely the drenched from head to toe. Apparently, these young guys must have been, they must have lived in the neighborhood, one of the houses. And I don't know that, like I said, the, the guy told me when the, when they saw the, the cop car pull up, they got real nervous. And when we went into the back, they scooted out the door and they, the guy went after him and he said, they just took off through the yards and they were completely gone. So to this day, I don't know who they were. Uh, I know they're okay. Cause I got them out, but my heart was going a hundred miles an hour you know, during this whole time. And, uh, yeah, I just had that, you know, I, I just wanted to get them out of there. It felt like, you know, I was pulling out like feathers to get them out. You know, I had that little surge of adrenaline. And, uh, anyway, so I, I kind of explained to the cops what happened that day. They thanked me. Um, they, the, the fire department ended up showing up and they actually had a, uh, diver and they actually went out to that open water and they found the four wheeler 
and uh, they actually hooked onto the four wheeler, and then they end up pulling it out with the uh, one of the fire rescue trucks. They end up pulling the four wheeler out. So I don't know what the story was. I don't know if the story was the the four wheeler was stolen or or not, or these kids just thought they were going to get in trouble. I have no no idea. But just going through all that, um, I remember getting back in my truck, and my buddy lived in that. I was, wasn't in my hometown. I was in another town. I remember going to my buddy's house, which is about a mile away. And I stopped at his house and I was telling him. And as I'm telling him, like I got the biggest adrenaline dump I've ever had in my entire life. Like I was telling him the story and I'm just like shaking. My whole body's shaking. I can, I'm stuttering. I can't, you know, he can barely understand what I'm, what I'm saying, but yeah, it just, I think the realization what had just transpired uh, hit me with full force, and uh, it it uh, really made me rethink ice safety. It really did. So, like I said in the beginning, before that day, I was uh, you know the first idiot basically out in the ice, and oh, two inches, you're good to go. I was out there driving first one to have their vehicle out on the ice. Um, we actually used to take our vehicles uh, on the river in our hometown, and we used to drag race. It had about a two-mile drag race strip. And all this is a lot faster moving current going through on the river. And uh, I can imagine some of the thin ice we went over and never went through. Just dumb things you do as a kid. So after this, anytime I went out in a vehicle, um, I always had the windows down, my hand on the handle, so in case anything were to happen, I'd be the first one to crawl out. And if stopped taking my own personal vehicle on the ice. Um, I would go with a buddy occasionally in their vehicle. But like I said, window down, hand on the handle, ready to pop out any second. Um, I was no longer the first one on the ice. I always had to make sure we had, if there wasn't six inches of ice, I wasn't going ice fishing anymore. Uh, it just, like I said, it just made me rethink ice safety and evaluate my life versus what a fish means to me. If you fall through the ice, experts say, follow these six steps. Step one, don't panic. Take a minute to calm down and think what you're going to do next. Step number two, go back the way you came. That ice was strong enough to hold you at one point, so it's most likely going to be the strongest ice step three spread your weight spread your arms out on the ice and start kicking your feet until your body is horizontal as you try to pull yourself forward onto the ice keep your arms flat and don't try to get up on your elbows step four roll away from the hole as you start to get yourself out of the water roll away from the hole in the direction you came from step five Get on your hands and knees and crawl once you've rolled a significant distance away from the hole and you know you're on some solid ice. Come to your hands and knees and crawl away. Step six, walk away. Once you're on really solid ice, you can stand up and walk to shore and get to warm shelter as quickly as you can. You have roughly three to five minutes in a maximum of ten before cold incapacitation makes it impossible to swim 
In these minutes, you need to put everything you have into getting out. The recommended minimum ice thickness for recreational use is 2 inches or less stay off, 4 inches for ice fishing, 5 inches snowmobile or ATV, 8 to 12 inches for a car, and 12 to 15 for a truck. There's no such thing as 100% safe ice. Because ice conditions vary, it's important to know before you go. Local bait shops, fishing clubs, and resorts serve winter enthusiasts every day and often have the most up-to-date information on ice thickness on local lakes and rivers. There are many great resources online that are very detailed videos of how to get yourself back onto the ice should you fall through. The number one rule of ice safety is to remember to never go on the ice alone. As I look back on that day over 20 years ago, I'm thankful I was there. My way of thinking about ice conditions and ice safety has changed dramatically through the years. Now I have young children of my own, and I'm very, very cautious when I go out on the ice. I'll take my auger, and I'll pre-bore many holes to the area we're about to fish, check the ice thicknesses before I even bring my young children onto the ice. Those two young men pulled out of the ice that day. I hope you have learned your lesson yourselves to A, always check ice thickness. Two, don't ride your four-wheeler near open water. Remember, please be safe out there and enjoy all that Mother Nature has to offer. If you like what you heard today, click the subscribe button to hear more upcoming stories. If you or someone you know have a survival story you'd like to share, contact me at I survived the wild outdoors at gmail.com.